What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HillVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast about food and fitness. I am Sadie. I'm Sasha. And today we are joined by Captain Jack Riggins. He is an incredible dude. Like I, When we booked this interview, I was super excited immediately to talk to him because he's a former Navy SEAL. He's a former Navy captain. He has dealt with shit that like we can't even imagine, dude. So yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to pick his brain. He has a podcast called The Dark Side of Elite where he talks about his history with being an elite, I mean, military officer, like your, your SEAL team. You're the most high level mm. of high level in the military. Um, and the responsibility and some of like the, the things that come with success that people don't think about. So we talk about a lot... Um, Positive self-talk. I'm just going to get into that right away because that's something we hit on a lot on the podcast, especially when you're in the gym. But when when you're outside of the gym, just in regular life situations, I feel like it's very applicable as well. When you are in a spot, because I know you've seen some shit, how do you (laughs) keep your cool and talk yourself through it when shit's going down? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I think everybody um, really thinks about things like mindfulness, positive self-talk, you know, breathing. Um, as like these elite skills or things that, you know, if you are in a high stress environment, they can help you perform, you know, whether it be, uh, combat, uh, first responders or, or anything that stresses people out. Um, you know, maybe flying a a plane that's going to crash, you know, I don't know, but the, the reality is, is there's skills that a can be taught so they can be learned. Um, and they work in all facets of life in everything we do. I think the hard part is, is that people, you know, even me, I, I am a teacher of it. I've, I've been a practitioner for two, three decades in kind of my professional journey. Um, but it's easy to forget in everyday mundane stuff. And I always tell people, you know, when I'm talking, presenting that the place I forget to use them the most is in my own house. So when there's emotion and stuff involved in the everyday things, that's where I'm at my weakest. Um, but they certainly work and the skills talking positive self-talk, I mean, if you've developed them and you've honed them to where, you know, they're unique to you and you know, they work and you trust them, um, which, oh, by the way, is something that you constantly have to always work on, you know, like any skill set, um, you know, you got to keep up with it. Um, then it's just about applying it. 
and they work and they work Mm -hmm. for everything. And I think that's where the, there's not a stigma for it in today's day and age. More people know about it, less people put it into practice Mm -hmm. to learn it and trust it. And then far less people use it all the time in a in a daily basis. Um, But they absolutely do work, whether it's, you know, like a guy like me that kind of came to it from SEAL Team where it was just a performance thing and it was taught to us and then we all used it and then you went, hey, this this shit works. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use anything I can do to have an advantage against the enemy or keep myself and my people alive. Um, and, And once you get there, now it's just, you know, go. But what my point is, is so I came to it through practice trial and error and, oh, it worked. But then later in life, I started seeing the science behind it and got with people that study it from that angle. And so there's a lot of science behind it. So, mm-hmm. you know, whoever you are, you know, however you learn, if you need to see all the data and you need to see all the studies done on this stuff, uh, whether it be, you know, mindfulness practice, positive self-talk, you know, how positive self-talk essentially, you know, gets your brain into a state of, you know, ready to go, best action, best thinking, and how negative self-talk or negative thoughts essentially cut off your brain mm-hmm. and, you know, you're acting like an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's two ways to learn it, right? Like, oh, I believe the science, therefore I will try it. And then somebody's taught it to me. I've learned it. I trust it. I can't tell you fuck all about the science, but it works. <laughs> right. I, so I came from that field and then later I learned about all the other stuff. And so I try to meld those when I'm talking with people or teaching because you never know what the student's going to respond to. Right. And everyone's different too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I think a lot of people too, based off of that, like get stuck in this idea that they can't do difficult things because changing that self-talk is hard to do. Uh, and it, it requires work. Maybe life experiences have lent themselves to this ideal, or maybe it's just like a lack of patience with yourself. Can you talk about what it takes to shift that mindset from one of I can't to I will? Yeah. I mean, you said it really well. I mean, the, the old saying and, you know, whoever got credited with it, it certainly isn't me is, you know, if I think I can, or I think I can't, you know, I'm right. Yep. And so the first thing is, and I'll tell all people is, we're not talking about, you know, you being born a certain way, whether it be big, small, with this skill set. We're not, we're not talking, you know, nature. We're talking nurture. Mm-hmm. You can learn these, right? So all of us as the human animal, the human machine, we have the ability to learn. Um, we have the ability for choice of what we want to learn. And so, you know, what I think when it comes to these skills and when people get in the funk of thinking, oh, I can't do that or it's too hard is, you know, you go back and you start to break anything you want to accomplish down into small chunks that you achieve on your way to the big picture. Now, as I've learned, you know, throughout my life and SEAL team and other challenges is that oftentimes, you know, we look so much at the big picture, the end state, right? Whether it's, I want cash or I want complete mental freedom. And, you got to understand you're going to fail a million times along the journey. That's life. Um, you know, some great philosophers have said, you know, really what life is is a series of losses and failures and you lose something every day. Parents, time, blah, blah, blah. Yep. It's how we deal with those 
that really matters. So again, you know, you break it down and you start figuring out along the way of what I want to accomplish. Let's just say I want to learn mental skills because we're on the topic. Mm -hmm. You know, what are they? What don't I know? What do I need to know? Who could help me possibly if I can't just do self-help? And then you start the process, I say, the process of learning, trial and error, trying things, best practices. And in that, you know, you start to build repetitive behaviors, better choices, right? And I always talk to people about, you know, I'm a walking signboard for a lot of failed choices, even though I have some pretty cool titles and things I've done. But ultimately, each one of those failures, it's like, well, how did I respond? What did I learn? And am I better today? And so you kind of got to go back to what I think is key in everything is process driven and decision making. Mm -hmm. And so again, start to replace I can't or it's too tough with, yeah, but today I can accomplish five minutes of just sitting down and learning when they say, what is mindfulness and quiet practice? Well, I'll tell you, how hard is it just to sit? You've never done it before. <laughs> Be quiet and try to hear your own mind. That's just hard. Go, well, that's stupid. Or scary. It can be very hard. It can be really, for right. me, it's super scary. hard some days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's to have your you brain know, be totally empty is a strange sensation if you've never done it before. Yeah. It's extremely hard, and we're all different. I, I tell all the time, because we give examples, whether it be, you know, active meditation or mindfulness, opposed to, you know, sitting meditation, breathing meditation, yoga. I have to pretty much be active to get in that state. So mm -hmm. it sounds silly, but yeah, mowing the yard. I just spent two hours, silly enough, hitting golf balls. But you know what? I couldn't tell you where the time went. All I know is I was focused there. I was in my own little world, and I was just paying attention to the here and now. Mm -hmm. That is a skill set that yeah. I had to learn. And I also had to learn that you know, just sitting and being quiet for me, I do it, but it's difficult. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people, but I know people that have mastered it. So mine comes in a form of doing something with my body and paying attention to that. That's your Zen. Your Zen is, it's like Hank Hill. Yeah. Who, who, could, who needs drugs when you can mow a lawn? Right. Like really, like as long as you find that activity that lets you Zen out. For me, sometimes it's as silly as like hanging out, like petting a cat, like yeah. just some mindless yeah. activity where you're just distracting yourself long enough to empty your brain yeah. is if you can figure out he how might to do big that dog so back there. yes <laughs> love your pepperino yeah, we did that a lot <laughs> animals are great for that yeah. I, have, I have four cats and my my one cat who is my girl she is basically like my therapy animal so mm -hmm. like when shit goes down she is like velcro that cat and i wrote out a cat five they know together man. like she's they my know. girl yeah um so like even your pets are a good way to vent that i i have learned personally so if you do like if you're listening at home and you're like i don't know how to do that what you're talking about yeah. right now start small like we say with everything start small and make it just like hang out with your cat for five yeah. minutes or pet your dog like start just, with two minutes yeah just work like into lay it there or something yeah <laughs> breathing stare at the ceiling like it's just as long as you can unplug for half a second to try to like learn these yeah. things is is key to not only like hacking your fitness journey but your brain because you need to That's put your brain part of it. in the right space for, sure. for this journey and for for any endeavor really like you talk about um, the dark side of elite. That's your podcast. We will touch on that a little bit more here in a minute, but I'm really curious. When was the first time in your life that you realized that you were different, that you were on that next level? 
Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I kind of always, I don't know if just the way I've been wired. I mean, I, I kind of struggle with, I'm never good enough Mm -hmm. in anything. Um, and, and and it's twofold, right? If it gets out of control, I can get very negative, Mm. believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also is a fire, right? It keeps a fire in my belly. Um, what I would say is at some point, maybe, you know, those probably the last year of high school, first couple of years for me, cause I went to college. Um, you know, I started to make a transition that most people, I talk openly about it, but when people meet me on the street or I'm out for like, they don't get it. They, mm-hmm. I, I think they get stuck on my title. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell them like, listen, like I went down a road of jail and fighting and solitary confinement. And I think that was a wake up call for me that, I needed to find a way to make sure I channeled my energy into something positive. And of course, while I was young, it was always sports um, and sports ends for everybody, you know, at some yep. point. Yep. And so the decision, cause I always wanted to serve our country, the decision to like go for seal team, which, you know, when you're from Nebraska and <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you say, I'm just going to join the Navy and you're in Nebraska. People kind of look at you funny. They do. They you, do. You say, you say SEAL Team, yeah. You say SEAL Team back when SEAL Team was not necessarily on TV and everything. Mm-hmm. First, you have to explain what it is, and then some people may know. I mean, we're talking the '90s. Um, you know, they looked at you funny, but I realized like I had to rededicate and grow beyond whatever tools I had up at that point. You know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and and here's the fact: I, you know, through the kind of trials and tribulations just to get to the training. So get yourself in the right shape, like get all the grades required in school. And I hate school, right? But I, I did well because I wanted something. Um, and all of that, you know, even with all of that, I realized when I got out to the first like three week tryout, wow, I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Like I can't compete <laughs> with all these guys from the Naval Academy and, and whatever. Um, and so I realized like, I have to also really take control of something I control, which is my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started that journey probably a year and a half before I left school and went to college. Um, at the same time, it, it coincides with that's the first time I got sober. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, stop using, you know, maybe bad choices. Um, and, you know, later I would deal with that again, but, you know, kind of this self, uh, self betterment journey. And by God, I needed it because then when I got there, I already had built some of the tools and trusted them for decision-making and and mental toughness or mental resiliency, as I like to say, um, because tough can break resilient bounces around, you know, it survives. Um, and, and lo and behold, these are terms that weren't even really around in the military prior to nine 11. I mean, as we got to like 2005, um, and the combat, these words would come and we were like, we got to teach everybody. But in special operations and SEAL team, by the time you got through the year-long selection, you were either pre-selected because you learned those things or in the process of that year, they were they were beat into you right. <laughs> and, and you used them. Because our training, our selection is not about physical anything. It's all about mental resiliency and the ability to, you know, move forward one inch at a time, process, teams. And, and ultimately dealing with failure. Um, and so I, I was on that journey and then all of a sudden my career lined up with, wow, this is a really awesome skill. 
And then, you know, the first five years of my career, because of 9-11 and combat, it became institutionally something we had to do. And then it just became, wow, I've got to keep doing this for my own self-preservation and to be a good leader. And I got to keep growing in this area. And I've got to help teach all my people this, right? Yeah. And, and that really drove me then to, you know, taking it serious, always looking at it and growing personally and professionally, you know, teaching it to other SEALs and all the people I led. Um, but ultimately, it also drove me then to, you know, a complete leadership model, which is people first and, you know, compassion, empathy and servant leadership. And, and I always love that because I coach a lot of people now. And one of the big buzz terms still is servant leadership. And they oh, I get all that shit. And in, <laughs> in one hour, I just, I can just destroy their, oh, I'm a servant leader. Oh, I'm like, yeah. you're not even close. Yeah. I'm like, now, great. I, I want you to, I want you to try to get there, but don't tell me you're there because you're not even close. And here's why. So those things, both leadership, followership, and a compassion, empathetic servant way on both sides match up real nicely with taking care of your own brain and mental health, which is what mental skills really do. And oh, by the way, they apply in combat. They apply in all sports. They apply in driving your car, dealing mm -hmm. with your wife and kids or husband yep. and every human interaction you're going to have. I think that that gets lost in, in the shuffle sometimes is how important those things are and how just like your habits, like those are the things that you do all the time. And sometimes those end up being your downfall because you, they're not pointed out to you. They're just the things that you do. Mm -hmm. Like the steps it takes to drive, to back a car out of a driveway. You don't think about that. You, you just, just do, do it because you've been doing it. But for there's half your 17 life. Yeah. things you have to fucking do to back your car out of the driveway. Check your mirror. Da, da, right. Da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for I'm sure. really intrigued by that aspect of it. Like I think about habits and I and like huge role that they play in our daily lives a lot. Like I'm a big believer in the practice of shifting habits and changing the reaction to the triggers that are your habits and thus disrupting and changing the habit. How much of that has to do with mindset? Well, number one, I mean, I think, and I, I take this a little bit from, um, you know, the, the old things, not the old things. I say that because, you know, the sobriety processes and things like that always start with, you know, you have to admit the problem before you fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Well, and don't get me wrong. I've done all that. So yes, that makes sense. But guess what? That makes sense for everything else too. So you have to admit to yourself that you're struggling with something or you have a fear to learn something new or whatever it is before you even begin the process of how do I fix it? Mm -hmm. Now, what's great, if you have good relationships and not everybody does around them, you know, in SEAL team, what was so great about it was people called you out immediately. Like oh, yeah. you could, you couldn't fuck off on anything. And, and I hated it at first. Right. Um, cause I thought, Oh, you get selected. Like you're in the club. No, that just is the doorway in. And now every day and everything we do, we make sure we're all up to the standard and we all struggle and we mm -hmm. struggle with work. We struggle with personal lives. We struggle with stress. But my point is, is, accepting that to your question now putting together again okay i have a problem with this what am i going to do about it okay figure out you know again self-study ask that's the biggest thing human beings don't want to do <laughs> if they don't want to ask for help it's yeah. terrible because yep. if you put us all together 
we have so much information and experience to help each other. And can you think honestly, when you or somebody has said, Hey, can you help me? It's, it's, you have to be the biggest douchebag scumbag on the planet <laughs> yeah. to say fuck off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. And then if they do say, if they do say that to you, you just learned that's a relationship you probably don't want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. but, but, but we're conditioned to live in groups. So when somebody says that we're happy to share our experience and whatever. Um, but that's a big key. And then the next key, right. Is do something about it. But I think we're people, and I say this, and I hope people will listen. People, we're conditioned for some reason in this society for instant gratification. Mm. And, and we go, well, I tried it, it didn't fucking work. I, I have a mother right now who, I mean, she, that's her to a T. I'm like, Mom, I tried it once. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you tried the walker once. Like, <laughs> I need you to try it for like a month. Right. Yeah. Let's, you know, but anyway. Yeah. You got to realize that again, while you're on the course now of accepting and self betterment and trying to change negative thoughts or bad reactions to things, you are going to fail. Failure does not mean quit. Failure is just saying adjust the plan. And oh, by the way, every time you fail, if you can get it right in your mind, it's not negative as long as you learn. And so once again, in SEAL team, people don't get this because you'll hear a lot of our guys say, not always, but a majority will go, you know, combat was easier than our training. Not always, but the reason is, is because we train to failure. Like we never do a exercise individually or group that doesn't end in a complete fucking shit show. So even if you're doing awesome, they stack the deck against you to fail because then we'll go debrief and immediately the lessons learned flow and then we put them into practice. And so I coming out of that organization, I've never understood this kind of fear of failure. It's the opposite. You need to always push to failure, except that it will be there, but you're on the path to betterment and you will learn. So yeah. quit, quit yeah. fearing that crap. That used it's to just be- part of growth. Honestly, right. that was one of my biggest fears for the longest time professionally. Like I've been doing this stuff for a long time. My biggest fear, anybody would ask me like, what's your big failure always. And yeah. now it's now that I have gone through and done my mental homework and I've changed my perspective and how I view things. First of all, fuck fear. Fear is a liar. Mm-hmm. Fuck failure. Failure is also a liar. Failure yeah. is just, you have to get used to it. It's just a part of life. And I mean, I failed, I failed college the first time I went through. Does that mean I'm a total fuck <laughs> off? Maybe at the time. Yeah, yeah, I sure was. But does it mean I am now? No, I went back. I, I readjusted my trajectory. I went to something that spoke to me more than business school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you turn it into something else. Like failure doesn't have to be the end of something. It is like plot line sub A. Yeah. And, well, and I think too, in our society, we've been taught, from a young age that failure isn't the goal. Yeah. Like you always have to be successful, which mm-hmm. isn't reality. Like that's not living in reality. And I'm not sure where that came from or why that is. But I think that for, I know for me personally, that fucked me up. Yeah. Like I was constant. I was so scared of failure that I wouldn't try anything. Yeah. And it just, if I'm not automatically going to be good at it, fuck it. Because that means I failed and I can't do that. That's unacceptable. And you know what taught me this? 
Fitness. Fitness yeah. is what taught me to not be afraid of failing because you fail in fitness all the time, <laughs> yeah. literally every day. Yes. Like if there's, if I took an Instagram video of how many times I've tried to pick up a fucking deadlift and couldn't even lift it off the floor, mm. like so many, yeah, so many, you're going to fail in life and you just need to learn how to spin it and make it work for you. We've talked a lot about mindset today. Um, we've talked a lot about being empathetic, being a good leader. Let's talk about being the strong friend because I know that you can relate to this. I, I can relate to this. Um, being the strong friend when shit goes wrong is really, really, really hard because everybody turns to you to be the answer. And it's like, well, I can't break. I'm supposed to be helping these people. What words of wisdom do you have for the strong friends out there having a hard time dealing with life in general right now? Yeah, that's great. I mean, the thing I would, uh, or that I can relate to um, goes to leadership. So it's the same thing. Leadership is very lonely at the top, um, you know, because there's a lot of expectations. And then the more you lead compassion, empathically servant, the more you're taking on other people's things to help them through it. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I always tell the leaders I work with and something that we always, you know, had in SEAL team, part of it was built in because of the military model is that all of our leaders in the military, in the Navy, we would say the triad. And everybody knows, oh, that's the leadership group. Of course, there was one man at the top or one woman. But they always had, you know, a number two mm -hmm. who was like a deputy who was, you know, there was private conversations there. And then there was another guy, usually senior enlisted gal, who comes up through the other side of the military, so has a very different experience, and also probably has been in the military longer. And those three will form the group that support each other, but then each one of them may support 200 people, a thousand. And so when we break that down to that smaller, strong friend thing, number one, awesome, good on you for doing that. Pat yourself on the back for people trusting you to be that, right? That, that in itself is very hard for people to become <laughs> that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. not everybody's cut out for it, but you know, it, you just don't know when you are going to be that. Mm -hmm. But one thing you've got to remember as you help and take on and you're that strong friend is make sure you have your own support group that may be outside of that group, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times professionally, when I talk to people and even in the military, a lot of people I'd say, well, what is it for you? And they'd go, well, my wife or my spouse. And I'd go, yeah, there's a certain level of support they can give. But at the same time, there's also friction because we're in that emotional relationship with them. Yep, yep. And you got to be careful yep. bringing home in, in the professional setting that work. So, you know, seek out people that one, you know, understand that responsibility or that dynamic. But the, the wild card that I always teach people and I really try to help them find is what I call like the X factor or the person that thinks about life extremely opposite of you, right? Because we all have blind spots, right? Whether it's strong friend or Navy leader, we have bias, we have this. It's nice in your own inner counsel, which can be one person and then a, an X factor that you can balance it off of. Because oftentimes we, we congregate with people that think a lot like us. But one of the things that was always valued in me and still is, is essentially somebody to call my own bullshit. Yeah. So when my mind is trying to process say as the strong friends, you know, 10 different ideas or maybe infighting amongst a peer group, you know, let me go talk to somebody because you have to decompress too. Now that's a mechanism to kind of keep yourself in a good place. The other thing internally is, Hey, listen, 
just do the best you can. And this goes with everything we were just talking about. Listen, if you, if people rely on you for that or they just dump you the stuff, listen, do the best you can. And remember for the micro time or the day or the week, that's good enough because that's all you can do. But we often fail to do the best we can. And part of it is um, we just prioritize different in our heads and we don't allow ourselves the freedom to go, you know, I got a lot of shit on my plate too, but I'm going to do the best I can this minute to help, right? Or to hopefully provide advice. And you know what? If it wasn't good enough after you slept on it, then reattack it again tomorrow, you know? But we've got to understand in everything we do, I think of all the best and most elite people I've been around, the one thing they do is they show up and they just try their best at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, in SEAL Team, as an example, listen, they get us to the point where one inch matters. Like moving, you know, you mentioned like deadlift, perfect example with weight training and fitness. Sometimes you're just at that point where all you can do is move an inch or you try to get the weight, but you don't quite, but that's growth. And that's the best you can at the moment. Mm -hmm. The people that can bring that, I'm going to do the best I can with what I got right now over and over and over really tend to outperform everybody else and also tend to be very strong people. We all can rely on a hundred. I'm like, want to clip that whole entire answer out and just like, that's the highlight of the episode. Yep. Cause that was like perfectly said. Yep. Um, I'm going to change gears just a little bit because I think it's an important question to ask. Um, I think I can speak for both Sadie and myself um, when I say that we both had our battles with mental health. And I think that the value in addressing and taking care of your mental health is life-changing and more validating than people expect or will give themselves the patience to experience. Would you mind discussing the value of helping yourself? Yeah. So the way I look at it, and, it, and you know, I, I think I had it backwards, but I also think my journey is pretty typical, which is, you know, up through, say, 25, like I thought everything was about, you know, physical fitness, kind of prowess, uh, maybe how much money I could earn, you know, all these things that, you know, while they might be great and you may achieve them, you know, in the end of the day, right, your mind is your most powerful weapon, your brain, period, end of story. There's nothing else that we have as human beings that separate us from everything else than this thing in our head, mm -hmm. right? And the great mm -hmm. thing about this thing in our head is no matter what our past are, whatever our situation was, we can control it. We can make a conscious effort to, again, make choices. And when we talk about mental health, mental health is the number one thing that basically sustains you to accomplish the physical, the this, the money, the job, the dreams, the dealing with people. Um, it sustains you over a lifetime, right? Yep. And it, there's no secret. Yep. My wife works with, um, you know, older folks. She always has. You know, there's no secret that, you know, the ones that live the longest and thrive have taken care of themselves or they've learned along the way, like, hey, this is still going to be there. And you know the deal. I mean, you can physically almost not function and, and be very vibrant and basically smart and articulate or whatever. I mean, if you take care of your brain and your mental health, because here's the flip side, we can very easily, especially in today's society with all of the external stuff, some of them we just described, you know, you want to 
you know, whatever your fitness goals are, but you're not seeing it. You can let that drive you nuts. You know, I know you guys are in nutrition. I'm having a hard time with this. I'm going to let it crush me. And then I'm going to call myself a loser. And then I'm going to get depressed or people die. Things happen. Right? So one thing we know is these external stressors are going to always be there in life. The number one thing that we can fight back with is our mental health and basically having, you know, what I like to say is a, is a rock solid mental resiliency built in that we can learn, we can hone, and it can go on through our lifetime. Because, hey, let's be honest, the mental health, and I don't really know why, I think the awareness is probably at an all-time high, and that's great because there was a lot of stigma over the years, but we're still far from the normalcy of being able to talk about it like anything else, you know, how many people, you know, I was one of them. I feared if I brought it up, I'd lose my job, you know, but you know, if I snap my arm off, everybody's like, Oh, go put it in the cast, you know, be back in six weeks. Right. Your you know, brain, but if I your said, brain's a body part, just like, like an arm, right. you need to take care of it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's still a stigma out there, although there's more uh, openness about it. And what I would say is, is again, think about any other skill you you've learned, whether it be a body part or you learn to cook or you learn to become a mechanic or a Navy SEAL. Yeah, those are great. But you've got to learn to take care of your brain and your mental health for all of that to really flourish. And quite frankly, for you to be happy and thrive in life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. I think people just don't think of it like a muscle or like a skill um, for whatever reason. Again, stigma is it's it's way better today there's more resources but i think we still feel weird if like we were caught in an airport with a self-help book right no you're not yeah like get over yeah. that like if you had a you know muscle magazine like nobody's gonna think to be honest who gives a fucking shit you're yeah. taking care of yourself yeah we talk about that a lot like people give other it's the envy thing we discussed this just a little bit earlier today i think like yeah. in relation to like you you don't want someone else to have something because you can't personally do it. And I think that sometimes when it comes to mental health, uh, I mean, there has been the stigma, but then when you start talking about it openly, even now people, I don't think that they don't want to understand, but I think that there is a lack of understanding because it hasn't been talked about for so long. Yes. And I feel like sometimes like when I talk, I'm very open about it. I suffer from, I've suffered from depression since I lost my brother age 18. I've had anxiety since I was a teenager. Um, I acquired PTSD after a hurricane, like surviving a hurricane, surviving a natural disaster. If you've never done one before gives you a host of new mental baggage that you never are going to fucking expect like i never ever thought i would say the statement hi i'm sadie i have ptsd Like when I talk about this stuff, I want people to know that you're not alone. Like you're not alone in life. You're never alone. You really aren't. You just don't know where you need to look to get the support you need. But when it comes to your mental health, my brain is a suicidal dick. And I have had to seek out health for or help with that for more than one occasion. Like it's okay. You know what? Sometimes you think dark shit. And if you are thinking dark shit and those thoughts keep coming back, maybe that's your sign that you need to talk to somebody. Right. And just because you find yourself in that position, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. No. It means you need help yeah. because you don't have all the answers. Yeah. And At the end of the day, you don't know how to fix it. So seeking out help, help and talking it out, whatever kind of therapy you decide to choose, even just talking to someone at an 800 number just to get it out, 
like you're not above it. Yeah. <laughs> talk space. Talk yeah. space is an amazing thing. If you want to be completely anonymous behind your cell phone screen while you're helping yourself, that's a great sort of thing too. Like I, I guess if I can do one thing today, I want, I want you as you're listening to us to realize if you are having these problems, welcome to the club. All three of us that are having mm. this conversation right now also do. That is if, if I can throw my voice in to change one thing when it comes to the discussion about mental health is we are all uniquely fucked up in our own way. <laughs> yes, we, we all are. are. Yeah, that should be the, the podcast quote. You know, I, I work as a, you know, ambassador influencer with a, a group called Same Here Global. And long story short, that's their whole mission is to normalize and to help. And the stories that come out of that are amazing. And you take PTSD, you know, one of the things that we do and I try to personally do, but this organization is, yeah, we think military, we think trauma. Listen, numbers wise, there's millions more people with PTSD type things from not combat, like anything. My daughter, you know, had one of her friends, she's in the eighth grade. She had one of her friends call who literally she had just taken the pills and she's laying in the bathtub. But this is the eighth grader mm. and my daughter takes the FaceTime call. So, you know, I do the right thing and we follow up and we get the police over there and we go over there and, you know, she ends up being okay. But just the fact of like the police cars and the ambulance and my little daughter, um, you know, for me, it's like old hat. I, I've been well-trained and I understand big things in life. Um, but yeah, my daughter, of course, started, you know, thinking of that, you know, it was very traumatic to her and it, and again, all of these things, if we choose to address them, can be helped. And we should not think of them ever as weakness or anything other than, oh, I've got something that's just not quite right. I don't like it. And I'm going to go seek help, wherever that may be. And a lot of times, the number one thing, and you said it, is just get it out. Yeah. Get yeah. it out. That's yeah. why, yeah. whether it's 800 numbers, phone a friend, text a friend, just start getting it out because the number one thing with all of these mental health issues that we kill ourselves with is keeping it in. Yep. And I get it. I, I get it. You might not trust people, but Hey, you know what? If you don't, you're in that type of situation, write it on a piece of paper. Yeah. Just, get it, just start getting yeah. it out. It, and if you don't, I found just personally, I found by not talking about it, I had some, I, I was sexually assaulted and I didn't tell anybody. And this is the first time I've actually said it out loud. So, uh, but we're in the moment. Yeah. But like it was so embarrassing to me and I never wanted to talk about it because there's a stigma with that too, you know? But if I hadn't, it would have been my complete fucking undoing. Oh, absolutely. I dude. had, I was in therapy for four years probably for it and coupled with all the other shit I'd never addressed. Yeah. But if I hadn't gotten it out, I cannot promise you that I would be here having this conversation right now. I know. I know how integral therapy was in helping and I didn't know exactly what you were doing when you were there, but I'm glad you went. Thank you for going because I need you. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without you. Um, but it's super important it to is. get that shit out because if you don't, that's when you are alone. Like you yeah. are making yourself alone. It's okay. Like people struggle with shit all yeah. the time. Thanks for sharing both of you, you know, um, because that, I mean, that's what it's about. And those little gains and just the acceptance of, Hey, it is what it is. And now I'm going to go to work on it. And that's mm -hmm. where we've got to get to. And like I said, I mean, when you put all of human beings together, it doesn't matter what they believe. If you ask for help or you talk about something nine out of 10, maybe 99 out of a hundred people will stop and 
that can maybe save your life. That can get you on the path. But if you keep it in, it's like a cancer. You just, it'll mm-hmm. just grow. And, you know, some of us, you know, you know the stories, but some people, they don't deal with it until they're 50 or, or whenever. They don't deal with it at all. But one of the things we know, right, when, you know, our mental health starts to go the wrong path is it doesn't always end very good because there's just kind of a pattern, right, whether mm-hmm. it leads to bad choices. And then we see a lot of alcoholism, drug abuse, mm-hmm. you know. And then that can lead or you're just abusive to other people. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a place that can be unrecoverable, leading to suicide. When in fact, if we kind of stop, get it out, admit it, we start down a different path. And oh, by the way, we get a heck of a lot stronger and resilient and we become a better person, right? And then we have experience to help others because you said it, we all have this shit. My buddy Eric at same here, he says, we're all a little crazy. And that's absolutely right. And people nationally wanted to beat him up for that saying, you can't say people are crazy. And he goes, but people do get crazy. But they all are. get crazy, <laughs> Right. Like there, there's nobody that hasn't had crazy thoughts and all of this. So he just kind of calls it what it is. And, and, you know, and I, I do that messaging, not only through, you know, the dark side of elite and the podcast and have guests on, but I'm real open about my past and history. Um, but I also, when I teach and coach, you know, under the performance hat of performance mountain, to be honest, we're talking about the same things. I mean, the number one thing that I provide or my team provides to leaders in business and sport is exactly what you just said. We have conversations just like this because guess what? They're people and they have stressors. They have them at home. They have them in the job. And oftentimes that's all we do is we provide hopefully that triad or that group that can provide different experience, advice, and help them, you know, to keep getting better individually. And you then multiply that by a group, right? And you hopefully arm younger people, in the case of sports, you arm younger people with more skills up front, faster than we learned them, the ability to get along in groups and communicate about all topics. And the same thing with a, a workforce, right? Because workforces have different age groups. The willingness of younger generations now to being able to communicate openly has been refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like yeah. that is the thing that's going to save the world for us. Right. Like, At least part of it. Anyway. Part of it. Like the willingness to, they're willing to talk like, hey, I feel like you don't like me. What's up? And you can have a conversation and nobody gets upset about it. Like, it's great. Talk about your feelings for fuck's right. sake. It's talk fine. about your we feelings. It's have okay. them. Every single person. Please, please talk about your feelings. I lost a friend to suicide a year ago. And like just just tell somebody if you're not feeling okay, please, for the love of God. Yeah. Amen. It's 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 how we make the world better. And yeah. you know, the number one thing that's out there in consulting, and it surprises me, um, but the number thing re- number one thing requested nationally and that I've been asked is bridging the generations. And I laugh at it. Because all these stigmas that have been thrown out there, it's real simple for me. Like I had all the age groups in the military in very stressful environments. And every generation has its strengths and weaknesses, but they're really not that far apart because, listen, we're all people. Right. And I'm like, the biggest thing is you're right. Younger generation, tech savvy, more open to talk about things and real issues. And it's merging the older generation who's used to just button it up, quiet, you know, we wear a certain clothing and we don't move. And, and I'm like, look, you're in charge. Like, you got to lead. Like, it's not them, right? It's you. You're the leader. Leaders have to take that experience and bridge the gaps. And you know what? Take the strengths of each generation and play off of them for the greater good. 
And so you see a lot of people starting to either start to understand that, start to create cultures and programs and things that create a vulnerable, safe environment in their workplace and, and places you want to go to achieve. And the ones that can adapt pretty much don't last very long in today's culture as far as the leadership goes. And, you know, in the end of the day, as I always say, like, think of all of your people, just literally like your friends or your kids, and you're always constantly growing and learning. And oh, by the way, even though you're the old guard, you got to keep learning and growing. I mean, that that's how great organizations and great people achieve things. Yeah, yeah that's always absolutely essential, I think. Yeah. Um, one last question, since we've, <laughs> this is, this is going to make it full circle because <laughs> this is, I mean, this is like the best conversation I've had in a really long time. So I, I thank you again for joining us. Yes, thank you very much. This is great. I really enjoy it. Open, frank communication. This is this is the way it should be all the time. And sweary, which makes it even better. Hashtag sweary. <laughs> oh, it's real. I get really upset at people that like balk at that in this day and age because I'm like, it's just real communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we don't got, you get it? Like, I'm passionate. We got a one-star review on Apple. I know. I don't know who you are, one-star review, but it's because I said fuck fuck in the first minute of the show. Well, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. All right, last question. Sorry. (laughs) To bring it totally full circle, you talked on uh, one of your last episodes of the Dark Side of Elite podcast about focusing on how fast you could get through some things that made you uncomfortable. Can you discuss how you get through those moments? Because we all experience them, whether it be in the gym, whether it be at work or just fucking life in general. But like, how do you get yourself through those moments? Well, again, it it goes back to like, I like to think, you know, these days I kind of, I think big picture and then, you know, you walk it down, you know, whatever big picture means, you know, but then walk it down to what I call micro moments. And those times where, if we're alone, it's in our brain and we're struggling with something, you know, something that's uncomfortable. And what do we got to do to change that? And we talked a little bit about it earlier. Number one, right, we've got to understand that in our system, as the human machine, the human animals, I like to call it, our brain and our whole existence is telling us that for something. Like it's like a warning signal. Could be good, could be get bad, but you're uncomfortable and you're not sure and all this stuff, right? So that creates fear, right? Natural. So we don't fear it because it's natural. And as I always like to say, when your fear mechanism goes off, attack it. That's how you beat fear every time. As soon as your body, brain, your whole being goes, oh, that means action. That doesn't mean obsess about it, think about it more. That means go through it, knock it down. Because the truth is, it's really false, Right. It's just this, you know, I'm not talking about when you're on the ledge of a building right, <laughs> I'm talking right, about, right. you know, our, our mental state, but again, uncomfortable. So one recognize that's normal. Okay. You're not weird. There's nothing going on here. That's this beautiful human body and brain connection I have. Okay. Two, right. Break it down. How do I now just whatever I'm uncomfortable with, how do I move forward? Right. Make a decision. I just make the decision. Okay, I'm uncomfortable about, wow, I might look stupid in this last rep at the gym. I may not get it up, right? And people are going to be watching. Are you there for them? Are you there for you? Right, exactly. Right? So I'm there for me, and I'm going to try this, and I know that I could potentially fail, but, you know, Commander Jack says, hey, failure's part of it, so get after it and learn. So I try it. 
all of a sudden I'm like, God, why was I so uncomfortable trying that? You know, maybe you, you did do it and you have this elation. Maybe you give it your best effort and you're like, damn, well, you put it in a notebook, you know, tomorrow I'm at this weight. Whether it's a mental health thing. Hey, I'm having extreme depression. I don't know why. I just feel lethargic. I'm not really motivated. Okay, guess what? I'm lethargic. I'm not motivated. That's weird. That's strange. I don't like it. All right, accept it. Now let's start moving forward. Maybe my pattern's off. Maybe I need to get up and jumpstart it. Maybe my diet, you guys know this, mm-hmm. maybe my diet mm-hmm. is off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I got to, instead of getting up and slamming, you know, eggs and bacon, you know, maybe I got to make a smoothie, right? Maybe mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. because our body is very complicated. But again, I go to, you know, accept it that I'm uncomfortable, accept that fear is part of the game. And when I get to that point, let's attack it, right? And just make a decision and go. And that's the thing that I think we get stuck with the most is we, we paralyze ourselves. We paralyze ourselves in the bad way of bad thinking because we're way too far out ahead of ourselves instead of right here, right now, what can I do to change that? And guess what? If you can take action, right, that thing's gone in a millisecond one way or the other. Now, you might have a new, like, fear or worry. Do it again. Do it again. And before long, what happens when we talk about choices, consequences, and thinking differently is we start to build in a new process of just, I do the best I can when I can, I accept my own feelings, and I take action on them, right? Knowing that not everything's going to be perfect, but I'm defined by really how I deal with failure and struggle, right? And we should all know that we attack that, and that in and of itself is victory. Yep. Perfect. That's perfectly said. Yeah, I, I was going to do a summation at the end, but I don't think I need to do one. That was nope. that was fantastic. There you go. Captain Jack Riggins, former Thank Navy you. SEAL. Well, Thank you so much. Well, here's, here's the easy way, though, for some people out there, right? We get into that whole situation. Here's what I want you to say. Fuck it and go forward. I believe that's a mic drop. MTK out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK.